0: My name is Rob Matchett. I am so honored to get to do this. Every time Pastor Randy asks me, it's such an honor. I'm the family life pastor. So one of the things I do is that I'm over a lot of these classes and groups that you hear about. So if you're, uh, if you're getting married or you're getting divorced <laughs> or you're getting remarried and creating a step family or you're just in a men's Bible study or a ladies Bible study, whatever it might be, I'm not over the arena Bible study, but check out the arena Bible study also Uh, we just want you to get connected. We want you to know your Bible. We want you to meet friends here at church, right? And grow in the Lord. So uh, check that out, and uh, let's get ready to hear from God's Word. I encourage you to take notes. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 16 today. If you wanna turn there, be ready for that. And if you're watching online, I wanna encourage you to participate. Even if you're by yourself or you're with your family or whatever it is, just say things out loud like, When we pray in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to repeat in the prayer. Say it out loud or say amen there in your living room or in the deer blind or wherever you might be online today on your phone. Uh, Thank you for joining us online and please participate. I think it'll make it a better experience for you. I do wanna open with a word of prayer. If you bow your heads, pray with me. Almighty God, you're the creator and we are made in your image. We continue to stand with the people of Israel today. We pray for your people in Israel, whether your people are Jews or Arabs, if they believe in you, we pray for your people. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for peace in that area. We pray for those that are displaced and suffering right now. We pray for humanitarian aid for those who are not involved, but yet they've been displaced and are suffering, for those families of reservists who they've been called up. All this stuff that's going on, Lord Jesus, we just stand with Israel, we stand with your people, We pray for uh, everyone that's involved in that area. Uh, We just thank you in Jesus' name. And then, if you would, let's pray a prayer to open our hearts to the Lord. How many of you know the story of Lydia in the Bible and you could tell it to me? Raise your hand. I'm looking. You got a couple on the front row down here, a couple of my family members because they know I'm preaching, right? <laughs> they probably knew it anyway. Pastor Tyler knew it, that's good. I think my wife was the only one in the first service that knew the story. And in the second service, I didn't see a hand that knew the story of Lydia. Can you believe? I wanna tell you the story of Lydia. I came across her story. I mean, I had to study it in seminary But I came across her story when I was teaching the book of Acts two and a half years ago. And then I came across it this year when I was teaching Philippians. And then a couple of weeks ago, we're in Greece on the church biblical study trip. And we're in Greece and we're in Philippi. And we hear the story of Lydia again. And I am so impressed with her. You've got to know her story. And I want y'all to help me tell her story. And I want you to pray about what God wants to say to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you an application from her story that you can take and put into your life from the story today. So open your heart to the Holy Spirit and ask him to teach you. Paul had a life group. Paul's the one who meets Lydia in Philippi, but Paul had a life group. And as the Life Groups guy around here, I have to throw in a shameless plug here for Life Groups, but sometimes we forget that Paul wasn't by himself doing all of this work. He had We know on this trip there was Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, for sure, and I think there were probably a few others that were traveling with them as a group. He was always discipling people and always uh, doing life with other believers. That's the way we really grow and do things. We can't do it by ourselves, that's for sure. And if you are not in a life group or Bible study yet, I'd encourage you to check it out. Maybe you're a leader in other parts of your life and you wanna help lead one. It's just your spiritual gift is leadership. You know, leadership is a spiritual gift. And uh, maybe you wanna help lead one or host one. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality or you just wanna be a support leader. Tomorrow night, just coincidentally, tomorrow night, we have a new life group leader, support leader, host home meeting in the fellowship hall So we got plenty of room. It's just this big room that's right around here through the lobby, so show up tomorrow at 6.30 if you wanna help us out. We'll print a few extra handouts. We're trying to start more groups. Okay, let's read the story. In Acts chapter 16, do you have your copy of God's word there? It starts with Paul and his life group, and it's a little bit of a travel log here at the beginning. It talks about where they go from place to place, but all this is good context to set up the story of Lydia today. So let's start in verse 10 and we're gonna read down through verse 15. Let me read it for us. This is Luke talking, by the way, and he says, so we decided to leave for Macedonia, which is northern Greece, at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas, and we sailed straight across, it was the Aegean Sea, it doesn't say the Aegean Sea, but straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. Does your say a major city? Or does it say a leading city? Chief city? Okay, we're going to come back to that word. Remember that word in a minute. And it says, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia. There she is. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her whole household, or she and her household, were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. Oh, I lost my place. Sorry. Where am I? Fifteen. She and her whole household was baptized. She asked us to be her guests, and then it's in quotes. She says, if you agree that I'm a true believer of the Lord, come and stay at my home, close quotes. And she urged us until we agreed. Now, how do you imagine Lydia like if you were trying to imagine and tell this story here in Texas today? What would she be like? Would she be like the lady in Yellowstone? I've never watched Yellowstone, not promoting Yellowstone, but would she be like that gal in Yellowstone, would she be like a uh, Joanna Gaines in Waco at Magnolia? Or would she be like a uh, boutique owner who has the booming online business you know here in Texas and lots of uh, Instagram followers? We're not sure of her age. We know she has a family, so she's at least old enough to have a family. We know she is a wealthy merchant of expensive purple cloth, it says. She's successfully living internationally with her entire family, Maybe she went on the International House Hunters show or something like that, I don't know. And this woman, Lydia, does have it all figured out. She's worshiping God and praying even before Paul witnesses to her. We think that she was from Thyatira, which is a, has a, a big Jewish population, and we think that she was such a seeker of God that she converted to Judaism as she was seeking God. So she was there by the river worshiping, and then Paul comes along and tells her about her Messiah and she receives him that day. I'm so impressed with Lydia And she is the first convert in Europe. Because Paul has just entered Europe in northern Greece. And now uh, we need to know her story. Let's read it again and break it down verse by verse. Asking the Holy Spirit to give us some applications for us. Verse 10 again, it says, So we decided to leave for northern Greece, or Macedonia, at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. They're going into Europe, that's why they're sailing across there. God's calling us to preach the good news in Europe. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. If we translated this for our church group that just went there, it'd go something like this. It would say, we decided to leave for Greece, having concluded that God was calling us, We boarded a plane in Houston and flew straight to Istanbul, and the next day we landed in Thessaloniki and drove to Philippi. That would be our church group there. We were just there a couple weeks ago. Do you want to see a picture of our church group there in Greece? Here we are in Greece, up on top of the Acropolis in Athens with the Parthenon in the background. And, uh, well, that's not the... The Parthenon is the other way, but the lighting was better this way, so still a temple up there on top of the Parthenon. What a great group. We had the best time. Uh, I hope one day you'll get to go with us, but if you want to see, we also got a picture of Pastor Randy and Pastor Darla. They were there, and they're not here today, so you get to see them. There they are. Aren't they cute? <laughs> I love that picture of them. So they were so much fun on the trip, and uh, we just learned so much. I'm going to share a little bit more about with you as we go along here. Next thing I wanna share that I learned on the trip was there in verse 12, when I mentioned that it was a, chief, y'all said chief city or leading city, major city. I learned that that's not exactly what Philippi was from our, I think we had a little loss in our English translation right there that's not quite accurate. My son and his friend here, they both have New Testament Greek class in their Christianity uh, degree. And uh, I need to ask their Greek professor Uh, how this works here because we get there to Philippi and it's not a major city. Our tour guide said several times, he was trying to drive on the point that it wasn't a major city because he knows about this. And he said that it's really the size of a village. It was kind of small. I'm gonna show you a picture in just a minute and you can see the size of the town square. It's kind of small. It had all the elements of a city because see, this city was built for Alexander the Great's father, King Philip II. So it was built as a little miniature Rome. So it has an Acropolis. So it was built where there's an Acropolis. It's probably about 2,000 feet up. When we were just singing about, that was a new song for me too today, about how the name of the Lord is a strong tower and you run into it. I thought about the Acropolis. We saw Acropolis there. We actually got to go up on the Acropolis of Corinth, like the book of Corinthians. And we were out, or I was out of breath. I mean, it was 2,000 feet up as well. And the bus went part of the way up, but then we had to hike up the hill and we only had 30 minutes. So man, we were huffing it to try to get as high as we could, to see as far as we could. And there's just ruins everywhere. They haven't really excavated it. They actually have signs that say, enter at your own risk and stay on the path because you might fall in a cistern or something. I mean, you just go up there, there's pottery laying on the ground everywhere. You're just like, this is unbelievable. We're up here. But it, what it reminded me of also is that it's hard work. So, running to the Lord as a strong tower is not always easy. If you need to run to the Lord as your strong tower, it's not going to be just, e- we make that sound like that's easy. Sometimes it's hard work to, to run to the Lord as a strong tower. We have to make choices and leave other things behind and run to Him, and it's a little bit difficult. But Philippi had an Acropolis, Philippi had city walls. These are the things you had to have to be a city. It was the size of a village, but it was considered a city, it had a theater. The Greeks invented theater to teach morals to every person, and every person was allowed to come for free, because they wanted to teach the people the values. It had a stadium, it had a gym, it had a meat market, and those weren't the same things, like your gym is a meat market. No, I'm just kidding, (laughs) it's a joke. (laughs) Thank you for laughing, yes, okay. Uh, Their meat market was like uh, the Three Cross meat ministry here, it was a meat market, it was, you know, meat. So uh, they were a city, but it was not that big. It was not even the capital of its district, but it wasn't the first district. So I think the translation of this verse needs to be, not that it was the first city of that district, but it was the city of the first district. So first should go with district instead of first going with city. But now that we've excavated it, we know that. We didn't know that in 16-whatever when the King James Bible was written, we hadn't unearthed the city yet, maybe, I don't know. So, um, it was, maybe the way to say it was, it was a city of the first district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, but this is significant. The size and the fact that it's a Roman colony are both significant to our story today. Let's look at that. It's significant, well, let me show you the size by showing you the picture. I promised you the picture of of our, this is the city of Philippi, and you can see the whole town center there. That's how big the town center was. This is where, the courts were, this is where the shops were, this is where the whole town, center, everything happened, was in this area right here. And we are actually standing, this is our classroom today, and we're standing with our, around our tour guide there in the, general, the Roman general's office. Pastor Darla, being Pastor Darla, she climbs up on the rubble behind us there. This is her photo from her iPhone, right? She climbed up on the rubble and took the picture of us there in the classroom listening to Costas. We're reading from God's word, reading these stories, and he's explaining to us how it was laid out there. It's just fascinating. Thinking about Paul being right there 2,000 years ago in front of those Roman generals. They sat around the walls in a square where they could discuss with each other, kinda like on little thrones but then they also were up high and when they would bring somebody like Paul and Silas in to talk to them, they brought them in down below so they could speak you know, down to them as the Roman generals, right? They had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail and Philippi. So, um, Okay, that, that was our classroom. That gives you the size of the, the city and the reason it's uh, important that it was not that big is, is because it was not what Paul and Silas expected. They know they're going to Europe for the first time. They know God has given them a vision to go there. Paul sees the man of Macedonia calling him over to come over to Macedonia and to help us. So they get over there and it's not what they expected. They wanted to go south. They tried to go south towards Ephesus. Ephesus was the third largest city in the empire. Very influential. He goes there later. We have the book of Ephesians, but God does not let him go there. Maybe today God has shut a door in your life He's not letting you go somewhere you think you're supposed to go. Well, maybe you're going to go there later, like Paul, but right now he shut that door. Trust God with the unexpected in your life. He did not expect to be in Philippi. He comes as this little place. Um, Oh, the second reason it's significant that it's there, not what he expected, is because there's no synagogue there. Paul's practice was to go to a city and find the synagogue because he took the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Greek. But also, can you imagine trying to bring the gospel into Europe and you go there to start a church and you're gonna start a church and leave and you leave them with no Bible? How could you start a church with no Bible? Did they have the Bible yet? They had the Old Testament, the same Old Testament that you have right now, and that's what they had as their Bible. Paul is writing the New Testament right now. <laughs> this is in 49 AD, 50 AD. We don't have the New Testament yet. Paul hasn't written it, and the other authors. But he would want, want to leave them, the Psalms as their prayer book. He would want to leave them the prophets. You know, He would want to leave them the story of creation. All these things, you would need that for a church, you would think, for the church to thrive. Well, did the church in Philippi thrive? Yes, it did. Ten years later, Paul writes them a letter and they are thriving. They have elders and deacons and organization. They're taking offerings and sending him money. The, the reason you have the book of Philippians in your Bible is because it's a thank you letter, because they gave him a gift of a financial gift when he was in prison. He loved this church, but it was not what he expected. It was small, no synagogue, and no man. There was no Macedonian man who had called him over there that he had this vision of. What happened to the vision that God gave him? God gave him a vision with this man saying, come over and help us. Wouldn't you expect to go over there and there would be that guy to fulfill and confirm the vision? That's, we need to confirm the visions that we have from the Lord, right? He gets over there and he finds a woman named Lydia. But that's our story today. He finds... Lydia and how influential she is to take the gospel now into all of Europe. So, verse 13, to keep going with the story. We're coming to the part about Lydia here now with Paul. So verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. See, they'd been there a few days, but not even a week yet, because this is their first Sabbath there. And they had heard that maybe there'd be some people meeting for prayer, so they go out there, and that's what would happen if there were any Jews in the town and they didn't have 10 Jews to make a synagogue, then they would just meet by a body of living water. Living water was moving water, and Jesus is called the living water. And so they would meet by a body of living water, so they're meeting by the riverbank to pray. And he finds out about it, so he goes out there, and I guess he's probably thinking, okay, this is where I'm gonna find the Macedonian man who's called me over here to this little place. What does he find? He finds a group of women who had gathered there to pray not what he was expecting. Are you imagining this story in your mind's eye of Paul and his life group, and they come along, his life group is all men, I think, and then he comes along and there's this group of women praying. Is that awkward? I don't know. Uh, Sitting there by the river, can you imagine that in your mind's eye? Do you want to know what it looks like? The river. I've got a picture from a couple weeks ago. This is what the river looked like, if you want to imagine it. Not what I thought it would look like. I love it, I like what it looks like. It looks like Nacogdoches where I grew up. You know, it looks like Montgomery, Texas down here. This might be on your property, right? It's beautiful. It was rushing when I went back and watched a video of it on my iPhone. The thing that stood out to me was I could hear the water running. Uh, the water was moving right there even though it wasn't that deep. Beautiful river. So now you have a mental picture of what it looked like uh, when you read this story of Lydia. So there's Paul and his friends go down there the riverbank to pray on the Sabbath, and they sit down to pray beside a group of women. Verse 14, one of them, one of the women, was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. Believe, we believe she was already worshiping God as a Jewish convert. As she listened to us, Paul is telling them about Jesus as the Messiah. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, And she asked us to be our guests, to be her guests. Quote, she says, if you agree that I'm a true believer, she might've had on Instagram and all that. Uh, This is who she is, what we know from scripture she was gathered by a river to pray. What kind of woman gathers with other women for prayer by a river? Sounds like a Lone Star Cowboy Church girl who goes to ladies Bible study and goes to ladies spring camp, they would be down by the river praying, right? Got any ladies in here that be down out of the river praying? No amens, I don't know. Maybe we don't, okay it uh, sounded like Lone Star Cowboy women that would be in Bible study to me. Um, but not all women wanna gather with other women and not all other women wanna pray, just saying. So it tells us something about her that she did wanna gather with other women and pray by a river. We know that she's an immigrant because she's from Thyatira. Thyatira, we've done archeological digs, or they have done archeological digs in Thyatira and they've discovered that it was a center of indigo trade, this purple cloth And there was a whole guild of people there in Thessalon, in uh, Thyatira, where she's from. So she is now in this little village or city in Philippi, and she has opened uh, business there. Maybe she's a part of the church in Thyatira that we see in the book of Revelation. Maybe she goes back and forth. Thanks to Alexander the Great, the whole world speaks Greek and has for a few hundred years by now. And thanks to the Romans coming along and conquering the Greeks, the Romans built all these roads, right? It's like the Romans put in these toll roads. We have toll roads here with easy tags, right? It's like the Romans built these toll roads. And there was the Ignatius Way. It was like the Audubon that goes right by Philippi. So maybe she, as an immigrant, was able to go back and forth from Thyatira to Philippi. It'd be quite a ways, but maybe she did. Uh, maybe she was a leader there in the church in Philippi or maybe back in Thyatira because we know about a church from there. This lady uh, knows what's going on. (laughs) I think we need to know her story. She moved her whole family to another country. She listened and received the Lord. She influenced her household to know the Lord and to get baptized. She had the gift of hospitality. How many of you know that when you get saved and you invite God to come inside of you and you're born again and you're born of the Spirit, that you receive spiritual gifts, right? She received the spiritual gift of hospitality, I believe, right here, because immediately, she invites them to come to her home. She's already got the skills of a saleswoman, because she is selling them to come to her home. It says that she urged them, and urged them, and pleaded with them until they agreed, and her, her reasoning was, it says in quotes, like, she said this, she says, if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, then come to my house. That's what a salesman does. A salesman gets you to say yes, yes, yes. And then when they make their final sales pitch, you say yes again, right? Isn't that a skill that they teach? Yes, yes, yes. And then you close the deal. So she says, if you believe that I'm a true believer in the Lord, then come to my house. Now they didn't have to do that because of this. You know, those didn't relate. So that's why I think she's a saleswoman. (laughs) She's like putting those things together. She's like giving them the pitch. But she was persistent. She urged them until they came. So this lady has an amazing story. And it says that the Lord drew her. In Matthew, I mean, uh, John 6, it says, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And on the last day, I will raise them up. So the Lord drew her. The Lord chose her to be the first convert in Europe and for the gospel to start there. And then Paul and his group went down from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea, to Athens and to Corinth. And that was the itinerary for our trip. We intentionally did that route. It took us a little longer to get there, but we started in the north, and then we went down and did the exact same journey. But she is the one that started it. Uh, or God just led that to happen. I don't know if God did that for Paul because he needed that. Because Paul gets a bad rap for how he treats women. <laughs> but God chose for the first convert in Europe to be a woman and for it to be this, uh, this strong leader here in uh, Philippi. She really defies the odds because as a wealthy uh, merchant of expensive purple cloth, she receives the Lord. And Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get saved. But she chooses to follow her Messiah immediately. And she influenced the generations to come. The generations around, her and her household. I think possibly she had older generations living with her and maybe younger generations living with her because it says she and her household. We don't know if she was single or what was going on. We don't know why there wasn't a husband mentioned for that culture, but somehow she was influencing generations because it says her and her household. I have to tell you about my aunt. My aunt is Jean Crisp. She's 90 years old. Today, her birthday is today, she's 90 years old. So we had a birthday party yesterday for her and all the extended family came from all around the country and she's outlived a lot of her friends, she's 90 years old. (laughs) But a lot of her friends and younger generations came to bless her yesterday at this party and it was just phenomenal. She'll tell you she has 30 grandchildren because she has 13 grandchildren and 17 great-grandchildren, and she prays for those 30 grandchildren every day, quotes scripture over them. Uh, I've celebrated Thanksgiving 55 years, and 53 of those I've gone to her house for Thanksgiving. It's my, it's my mom's uh, sister-in-law, and... Uh, she gets us together, and we have church at her house. little brief church service. She's either doing something patriotic about the founding of America and blessing God and reading Scripture. A couple years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, she memorized, so I guess in her 80s, she memorized all of Psalm 91. I'm telling you this because she's a modern-day Lydia, is what she is. She memorized all of Psalm 91. Is it getting harder for anybody else to memorize things, right? Uh, to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible in in your 80s. And then she challenged us to memorize it as well. Wow, I haven't done that. Uh, I uh, was convicted again yesterday when they mentioned that again. Um, She's just an amazing woman of how she's intentionally Uh, ministering to the generations and to those 30 grandchildren and to me and my family as well. It's a lot bigger than just her 30 grandkids. It's the extended family and all those people that were there yesterday. Just such a beautiful picture of this. We need to think generationally like she does, don't we? As Americans, we tend to think about here and now and just ourselves instead of thinking like other cultures do uh, for the generations to come. So let me wrap this up for us. I have four applications before we close today. So if you've tuned out, tune back in. I've got four things for you. See which one of these four things is maybe for you, that you want God to take this and put this into your heart today is your commitment to him. The first one is let's have testimonies of faithfulness and let's celebrate testimonies of faithfulness. If we have somebody who's lived for the Lord their whole life, let's celebrate that. Sometimes we celebrate the juicy testimonies of the person who went to prison or had drugs and alcohol in their past or had failed marriages and this, that and the other and then they come back to the Lord and it's a a prodigal son type of story where they come back to the Lord and we celebrate that but let's celebrate testimonies of faithfulness like Lydia. We don't have a a point in the story with Lydia where she falls away and then comes back. She's just faithful to the Lord. She just receives at each step of the way and blesses the next generation. Number two, maybe this application is for you. Influence the generations. I've kind of said this several ways, but influence the generations before you or after you. Maybe you're the first one in your family to really start following the Lord 100%. It may be more difficult for you to try to influence the generations before you if you're a younger person and to enter. To, You didn't have a model of this uh, growing up. You didn't see what it was like to have a mom and dad. Even both parents, you didn't have it, right? Much less a mom and dad who loved the Lord and took you to church. Maybe you're the first generation Christian kind of thing. Ask the Lord to show you how to influence those generations before you and after you. My sister is in heaven now. I miss her, but she and I grew up in a godly family, and we were blessed, generations. And when we were in college, uh, someone said to her, oh, but you grew up in a Christian family. You, you had it easy because you didn't, uh, you didn't grow up like I did with a divorced family, or you didn't get abused, you didn't, all those things. And uh, she had heard that a few times, and she said, we work hard for our family, It's not easy to choose to live for God, right? We should celebrate those who do and those who make those hard choices to live as a godly family and to leave a legacy. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Are you a wise man today, wise woman today, leaving an inheritance for your children's children? That's generational thinking. And I think that's more than just financially leaving an inheritance for your children's children. I think it's leaving an inheritance of righteousness to your children's children. Let's pray for those and, and walk through those open doors to do that. Was that the second application, right? You with me? The third application is to trust God for the unexpected. Like we learned from Paul here in this story, Even when he found himself someplace that he didn't expect to be, God moved in a mighty way and established a strong church there through Lydia. So maybe you have an assignment that you don't understand right now. Maybe it's a health situation, a diagnosis that you've received. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe uh, you lost your marriage. Death of a spouse, death of a marriage, death of something in your life that you're grieving, and you didn't expect it. It's an unexpected assignment. Pastor Amber preached a couple of weeks ago about un, the unexpected and how to respond. Go listen to her sermon on that, it was awesome. But maybe that's your application and God's speaking to you again today about that and he's saying, I've got it. He's saying, remember Lydia, remember Paul and look what God has done in the past and look what he can do again for your family. So hold on to that today and make that your application. See, that one's for me today. I'm trusting God for the unexpected in my life. And then the last one, the fourth application is to pray the prayers of the Bible. This was this is my um, really practical, here's how you do it kind of uh, application. This is how we can do the generational thinking. This is how we can trust God, as if we intentionally pray the prayers of the Bible. I think sometimes we avoid praying memorized prayers, or we avoid praying rote prayers, because maybe we grew up in a denomination where you had to say so many prayers, you had to say so many Our Fathers, or you had to say so many Hail Marys, or whatever the things were, I didn't grow up in one of those denominations, but if you did, we have a lot of former Catholics in our church, former Lutherans, and whatever it might be, I'm gonna get in trouble, because I don't know what all they do, I didn't grow up that way, but maybe that's a struggle for you, you don't want to pray a memorized prayer, because that feels like, oh, that's not... That's uh, religiosity or something like that. Well, I kind of got a wake-up call on that. When we were in Greece, we were in Thessalonica this time, and we go into this Greek Orthodox church, and man, it is high church. It is very formal. There's a priest in robes, and he's swinging one of those incense burners and walking up and down the deal, and they're chanting and doing this chant, and we're wearing these little headphones in our ears, and our tour guide has a microphone, so he can talk to us real quietly, but we can all hear him. And we kind of slipped down to the side, and we're sitting and just worshiping this, and he's, maybe he's telling us about the basilica and all this kind of stuff. And, but then, Misty, I think it was you that said, uh, tell us what they're saying in the chanting that's going on. Because it's not the way we would worship with these chants, right, like this. But he started telling us, and he knows ancient Greek as well, and this was Greek Orthodox, so it was an ancient Greek. And he starts translating what they're saying, and it's the Psalms, and it's just scripture, and it's just so worshipful, it's beautiful words that they are repeating and going over and meditating on. Well, that changed me, that was convicting for me that even that can be very worshipful. It's about our hearts, right? It's about how we respond to it. I think sometimes we, we steer away from those memorized prayers and we don't pray the prayers of the Bible. My application for you is to pray the prayers of the Bible. Pray the Psalms. Pray the prayers of Paul in the Bible and take that scripture and turn it back into a prayer. Sometimes we, we go spend some time in prayer and we go sit by a river or we go sit on our back porch and look at the woods or something and we're praying, but it's really just us in our thoughts. And before we know it, we either fall asleep or we <laughs> forget that we're praying and we just start thinking about something else. Now, God is gonna speak to you through your thoughts, When God speaks to you, it sounds like your thoughts because it's in your head. It's not audible, it's thoughts in your head. You have impressions and thoughts and a new idea will come to your mind because he's speaking to you. Now his voice does sound different from your thoughts and his voice does sound different from the enemy. The enemy tries to copycat and say, you you have to renounce him and only listen to the Lord's voice. But it's like in your, oh, sorry. It's like in your thoughts and so but sometimes we just sit in our thoughts and think that we're praying. Let's be intentional and pray the word of God over our family members and over our lives as well and do that. I have, under this Prayer of the Prayers of the Bible, I have a resource for you. You can take a picture of this with your phone. If you're watching online, you can hit pause for a second and screenshot it on your phone if you're sitting in the deer blind or wherever you are. <laughs> maybe, you already, maybe you've already been hunting this morning and you're at church because we're in the 11 o'clock service. I don't know, but... Uh, Use this resource if you'd like uh, to pray the prayers of Paul. This is only just a few of them. I would sit on my back porch and I looked these up and wrote them down and sent them in for them to put on the screen. Um, but pray the prayers of Paul and pray scripture back to the Lord. And then I started thinking when I was getting ready to, when I was practicing preaching this sermon, I wanna tell you the, the one that I've been praying the most right now and I didn't even put it on the list. So if you need to write in an extra one, it's Philippians 1.9. And as we close today, I wanna give this to you as well. Pray this prayer uh, straight from Paul. It says, may your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's how much I can memorize this one phrase, right? I can't memorize the whole chapter of 91, but I, I can memorize, may the Lord, may the, the love of God abound more and more in your life in knowledge and depth of insight. So I pray that over my daughter, Sophia. May her love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. May Sawyer's love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. May Misty's love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Pray God's word, pray the verses over your family. That's generational thinking and that's being an intentional uh, prayer warrior as well. Well, let's close in prayer. If you'd bow your heads with me. Maybe we need to pray for a lost family member. Maybe you have somebody in your family. You know eternity is a long time. We're all gonna spend eternity in one of two places. We're either gonna be in heaven or we're gonna be in hell. That's the two choices. I still believe that. This church still believes in heaven and hell and that's where eternity is. So maybe today your heart's beating fast as I talk about that and you know you're not ready. You haven't invited Christ into your life or maybe you did as a kid growing up in church but you found yourself in church again and you're trying to serve the Lord now and you need to come back to the Lord. You need that testimony of returning to the Lord and you want me to pray with you today. I'd love to pray with anybody who would like to come to the Lord and say, I wanna know for sure I'm returning to the Lord. Well, I wanna pray with you. If you'd raise your hand, I wanna pray with you. Thank you. If you raise your hand and keep your hand up, our ushers will bring you a Bible. It's just our gift to you to say thank you for praying. We wanna put a Bible in your hand. Is there anybody else that I can pray with that wanna return to the Lord, wanna know for sure where you're gonna be in eternity? Just making a commitment today and I can pray with you. Just run right here. Raise your hand again. Is this a gift of the Bible? Yes. Everybody's head bowed. Anybody else I can pray with? Okay, thank you. If you raise your hand, would you mind coming up and let me pray with you here? Make that commitment. Thank you for doing that. The Lord is honored by you doing that. Yeah, come on up. I wanna lead you in prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart, that he will save you. So I can give you the words to pray, and you pray them after me. But you believe this in your heart, okay? And we're going to say it with you, just to encourage you, but to and, and for us to recommit as well, right? Yeah. So if you'll repeat after me, say, "Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Make me a new person. Take me to heaven, Take me to heaven. when I die when to I be die. with you. To be with you. Help me to read my Bible." To pray, to pray, to show up for church, to show up for church and, to get and to get baptized. I receive the spiritual gifts you have for me. You have for me. Thank, you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yes. Bad. Well, that's good, yes, good. Well, come over here and she's gonna to talk to you a little bit more and give you some uh, extra resources and things. Thank you so much. All right, will you stand with me? Let's pray as we leave. Wow, so good. That was like Lydia coming forward right there, wasn't it? It was pretty cool. Had a lady. Well, as we dismiss, I just want to thank you for being here. I hope the Lord spoke to you and I hope you'll take that Maybe go sit by a river today or sit by some water or just go look at some nature and talk to the Lord and ask him about the generations and ask him about family members who don't know him. Pray for them, fast and pray for them. We've seen family members get saved that we fasted and prayed for. It matters where they're gonna spend eternity, right? We have a prayer altar team. If y'all could go ahead and come into place if you're on the prayer altar team, several people here in this service to pray with you. Maybe you need prayer for healing or For something else that we've been talking about, maybe you're a little too nervous to come forward, but you would wanna come and pray with one of these. They're ready to hear. Or you can just go pray at the prayer altar on your own. But let's bow for prayer one more time and close. If you wanna lift your hands to the Lord, we do this a lot around here. We just uh, lift our hands like in surrender. And we just say, Lord, we give ourselves to you. Father God, I pray your blessings over your people here today. I pray you would fill them with your spirit, that they would take this word with them in their hearts, and they would put it into practice, that we would be people of prayer. Father God, I know we're known to be a giving place that blesses our community, but I pray we'd be a people of prayer, be known as a church of prayer. I pray you bless our prayer ministries, you bless the Wednesday morning intercessory prayer group, and you bless the Monday night prophetic prayer team, you bless the prayer that goes on in these life groups and Bible studies and leadership teams, but just pray we'd all be people of prayer and you'd raise up families and generations, godly generations in this church who are people of prayer. I pray that blessing over each person today and each person who wants that blessing that's watching online. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Thank you so much. We love you. We'll see you next week.